Welcome to the 156th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I am your host for this special episode, Patrick Winograd. In this edition, we will be taking a very in-depth look at the NBA draft and various trades surrounding the draft. So uh, let's get right into it with the trades that took place before the draft. Starting with a big trade that went down, uh, the Rockets traded Christian Wood to Dallas. Uh, That is going to be pretty good for Dallas in the end. I think they've wanted a uh, stretch five. I mean, we know that, you know, Kristaps Porzingis has, well, was on the team and then wasn't. And now that he was gone, they ended up making it to the Western Conference Finals, mostly playing, I wouldn't necessarily say small ball because they had Dwight Powell starting the games, but uh, not necessarily playing a traditional center for most of the minutes uh, throughout their games. And I think that Christian Wood is going to help them still be able to space the floor like they want to with Luka and still have a lot of shooters on the floor because he's a good three-point shooter. But he can also maintain the interior presence that they're uh, looking for there and that, you know, Dwight Powell was providing. But uh, in the starting role with some limited minutes, I think that Christian Wood will actually continue to play significant minutes for Dallas. Uh, Even as we get into the playoffs, I still think he'll be Playing significant minutes for them, so I think this is a good trade. Uh, in terms of what they gave up, they gave up the number 26 pick in this year's draft, which ended up being Wendell Moore Jr. They gave up Boban Marjanovic, a fan favorite, uh, Marquise Chris, Trey Burke, and Sterling Brown. So really four role players in the first rounder. Uh, that that says something about Christian Wood's value, but I think the the market this year, I, I honestly, I don't know too much about what that means for other players that might be involved in various sign-in trades and whatnot, but uh, I think, I don't really think either side is going to come off of this trade looking terrible, Um, but I do think that, you know, Houston is not preparing to win right now, and Christian Wood is is a young but still very good player. He's a very talented player, Um, and I think that he kind of doesn't fit into that franchise and what they want because he he's going to be in free agency I think a lot sooner than any other other guys on kind of rookie deals and whatnot but he's still a young intelligent player so they got some guys back for him and uh some veterans that can help out a little bit and then also some and then also you know that first round pick that I talked about uh that ended up being Wendell Moore although I'm pretty sure they ended up trading that pick anyway but we'll get to the trades that happened during the draft later uh, let's move on from that and talk about the Nuggets, who traded Jamichael Green and a 2027 first-round pick to the Thunder. In return, they got this year's number 30 pick, Peyton Watson, and two second-round picks. Obviously, since this took place before the draft, they didn't know that that pick would be Peyton Watson, but that is who they ended up wanting to be selected uh, here at this at that pick. So uh, they're going to get you know they're going to get a young player. The Nuggets are, are sorry, the Nuggets are getting a young player. Uh, and they were trading away Jermichael Green, who, you know, I guess will be another one of those guys that the Thunder keep in their lineup along with the rookies and have him play some significant minutes. Maybe not. I, it's honestly hard to tell. Um, but, you know, the Thunder are uh, ever confusing and you never know when they're going to just come out and decide it's their year to contend. But trading away a first round pick this year, which is something interesting because, you know, they've stockpiled all these draft picks and here they are actually trading away one of those first-round picks that they've acquired, maybe uh, they are trying to, well, I mean, they're obviously getting a 20, 27 first-round pick out of this, so 
they're giving one away for this year, but also getting one back for next year. So uh, they're still they're still keeping that same amount of picks that they had uh, before that. But let's move on from that trade. You have Portland this year, who traded the number thirty six pick in the draft this year. I I won't try to pronounce this correctly. Well. I'll try to pronounce this correctly, but I don't count on this as the correct pronunciation. I believe it's Gabrielle Prochita and a 2025 first rounder via Milwaukee and 20 and second round picks in 2025 and 2026 to Detroit for the number 46 pick who turned out to be Ishmael Kamigate and Jeremy Grant. Uh, the Pistons clearly trying to clear cap space from their previous free agent signing with Jeremy Grant. Uh, we would later move on to learn that they would eventually get Jalen Duran through about a bajillion trades, uh, and we'll talk about that later, but they did end up getting a new center or a new power forward. I mean, I guess Jeremy Grant mostly played power forward for them, but, you know, they have Isaiah Stewart, and now they're going to have Jalen Duran too. Uh, so they have a... I feel like they have a good setup there, and uh, we'll get to the rest of it in a second, but yeah, this is an interesting trade. I guess Portland you know, trying to solidify their starting five with uh, Jeremy Grant there alongside Yusuf Nurkic playing uh, the power forward and center positions. And then when you look at it from Detroit's perspective, they're a young team. They're just trying to get a little bit younger. They moved up a little bit in the draft, and they're also getting uh, a future first-rounder via Milwaukee, although that might turn out to be a pretty low first-rounder. Probably will end up only a few picks before um, the pick that they got this year that was actually a second-round pick just because of the fact that you know, we expect the Bucks to be good for at least a few more years, um, and that pick might be pretty high up there when uh, if they make it as far as we think they might make it in future years like they did this year. Uh, but moving on from that, the Lakers traded a future second-round pick and cash for the number 35 pick in this year's draft to ensure they actually get a pick. They would go on to pick Max Christie, from a guard from Michigan State, uh, not much to comment on in terms of the pick. I think Max Christie's a good player. I definitely watched him a lot, as we all know. I'm, I'm a big college basketball guy, but definitely uh, follow the Big Ten very, very closely. Uh, he's a good player, and uh, we'll see how the Lakers want to utilize him next year. But uh, look, I will admit, draft scouting is not necessarily my forte, but I do like to cover this kind of stuff because it is important to know where everybody is. Um, but... Yeah, Max Christie's a good player, and I bet he'll contribute for the Lakers. We'll see how much he will play, but I assume that they moved into the draft knowing that they'd want to pick a player in this range that actually can contribute to their team because they are a win-now team, and it doesn't really make sense for them to really want to pick players unless they think they can actually contribute uh, really early on, unless they're jump-starting a rebuild as soon as LeBron retires, but... That's it for the trades that happened before the draft. Now I'm going to move on to covering the draft lottery and also a few picks after the draft lottery, which I thought were uh, good picks or also some interesting picks. Uh, so first of all, let's start off with the big three. We have Paolo Bancaro, who went to Orlando uh, at number one, Chet Holmgren, who went to Oklahoma City at number two, and Jabari Smith Jr., I should say, Jabari Smith Jr., who went to Houston at number three. Uh, everybody knew the first three was going to go down this way. Uh, we just didn't really know the order. I think everybody for a while had Chet Holmgren going to Oklahoma City. Um, but in terms of Ben Caro and Jabari Smith, there were some debates. I mean, for a while, Jabari Smith was the heavy favorite, especially in Vegas, um, to go number one to Orlando. And up until draft day, 
we saw a lot of reports that it was going to be him, and then all of a sudden, a few reports started to trickle in that maybe Paolo might get selected instead, and even the draft odds, I think they shrunk from, like, plus 1,700 to minus 250 for Paolo uh, in, in the course of, like, two or three days right before the draft, so it, it's clear that there was some intel floating around about it, and uh, I, I think, honestly, after it all, I do think the Magic got the right guy, I feel like. Paolo is a really good fit for their team, and I feel like he fills a void that they need, although they need a lot of things, but I feel like he can really fit a role in the stretch four position that uh, they they need that right now, and uh, that's what they're going to be looking for, and that was a good thing. I mean, Jabari Smith was going to fill that role too. The only guy who wasn't going to fill that was Chet Holmgren, but they didn't really have their eyes on him, Uh, but either of those two would have done great in that role, and I think, honestly, I don't really have a strong opinion, either in favor of Paolo or in favor of Jabari Smith. If I were to give you my, if I was picking number one overall for my fake team that doesn't exist, I'd pick Paolo personally, but I still think that it would still be a tough decision. But, you know, I would, based on what I have seen, I'm picking Paolo over Jabari, but not by much at all. I mean, it's a very, very small margin. And, you know, this year really, as as a lot of people have said, they really had three, the big three players, they say, but all three of them could have been first first overall picks. I mean, they all have the qualities of that. They all have the tape and the highlights matching that and the attributes and everything. Um, so it really could have been possible for any of them. It, it just so happened that it would be Paolo this year. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. I think it's the right pick, although I really think they couldn't have gone wrong with Paolo or Jabari. But my personal preference is Paolo Bancaro. Um, and then Chet Holmgren fits a role with OKC. They're going to pl- plot him beside Alexei Pokuchevsky, um, or Poku, I don't know how to pronounce it, Poku. That's why they call him Poku, because no one can actually pronounce the name. Maybe if he becomes as good as Giannis, then people will start learning. Um, but I definitely don't know it myself right now. Uh, I will not be, I will not lie. I, I, I will admit I do not know that name very well. But uh, look, Chet's a great player. He'll, uh, you know, I, I don't really think there is a comparison for him. Uh, in the NBA, at least right now. So I, I think we should just leave him in his kind of his own world. I mean, he his body type is not very common. I mean, some people have made the comparison to a young Giannis, but I don't think that's fair because I think, first of all, Giannis has way more athleticism and has always had that, or not maybe way more athleticism, but shows it a lot more in terms of driving to the hoop uh, and really, the dominance factor that Giannis has is a lot better than what Chet Holmgren has. They both had the turnaround jumper. I think Giannis really worked that into his game over a period of time. Uh, but Chet is a way better shooter than Giannis is even now already. Uh, a forty Over a 40% shooter from three-point line in college, something that Giannis is still working on to this day, trying to perfect that three-point shot. But Giannis has gotten to the MVP by being a dominant inside player. I don't necessarily think Chet Holmgren's going to be able to do that, so I really don't understand the Giannis uh, comparisons that I've heard. But at the same time, I just say he's really just kind of out in his own world. I mean, I don't think there is that much of a comparison for him. I don't think there's... I think he's a very unique prospect, and that's something that makes him the quality of a number one overall pick. Uh, But I will move on from that debate with the first two and whatever. Uh, Jabari Smith, also a great player. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I won't, th- all of these guys have some weaknesses. They're all young. They're all prospects and picks, not current NBA players for a reason, obviously. But I, I still do believe those three are definitely 
the most geared to contribute early, um, even despite the fact that they're not older or experienced players. They're definitely one and dones, very simply put. Uh, but look, I, I like I like what I see in the three of them. Everybody has their flaws in their game when it's this early, but I really think they can all grow into all-star players, and I wouldn't be surprised if if at least two of the three turn into perennial all-stars in you know, a few years down the line. Uh, but let's move on from those obvious picks. I'm going to talk about some of the picks that I thought were big steals in the draft. So first, I'm going to start with Jaden Ivey at number five. Uh, for Detroit. Really, everybody has said it. Troy Weaver put together a great draft this year. Uh, He's been making moves, obviously the Jeremy Grant uh, trade, and then now everything that he did in the draft, people really like getting Jalen Dern, getting Jaden Ivey. They said that if Ivey had fallen, or or that if Ivey had been uh, selected already, that they might even consider taking Dern at five or moving down further in the draft. So it's interesting that they didn't actually have to move down at all. They traded future picks, I'm pretty sure. We'll get to that trade in a second. Uh, but they traded some some other stuff and didn't actually have to trade up or trade from or, or trade down, I should say, actually, from the number five pick and stockpile other picks to get Duran. Uh, they got Ivy their guy. That's who they wanted to get. I think he'll be a great fit alongside Cade Cunningham in that backcourt, uh, making sure that they really have two really good, really prominent uh, ball handlers. I don't think Ivy's necessarily going to be uh, your your Chris Paul type point guard, but you know more of a you know the the obvious comparison that comes to mind is John Morant. Not only because his mom was an assistant coach on the Grizzlies, not only because Jaden Ivy's mom, I should say, was an assistant coach on the Grizzlies, but also just because they kind of play the similar style and have the same level of explosiveness and athlete and athleticism. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that draw that comparison. Uh, but I, I still believe that Jaden Ivey, first of all, uh, I think he'll help take the pressure off of Cade to really be on the ball 100% of the time, always leading everything. He can lead the fast break, too. So uh, I really I really think it's a great pick. Um, as we as I've said before, I follow Big Ten basketball a lot, and Jaden Ivey is someone who immediately was was popping on the tape when you look at... Uh, when you look at highlights, when you look at games, he's someone who stands out among any players uh, in really any game. But let's move on to that 13th pick. As we said, uh, that would be Jalen Duran. We talked about the fact that, or I talked about the fact that uh, I loved what the Pistons did getting Ivy and Duran. Getting him while only having to trade for the price of the 13th pick is especially important because it meant that they probably had to sacrifice fewer later draft picks or fewer cash or whatever they ended up trading. Uh, again, get to that trade later, but um, I really like what Detroit did. I love Duran here. I actually like Mark Williams, too, who went 15th. Technically, both of them were picked by Charlotte, uh, although I don't think Charlotte's actually getting either of them. They might get they might get Mark Williams, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, they do. Um, but both two for the same reason. Their physical presence and the attributes are just off the charts. They've play, they played amazingly. Uh, including in the NCAA tournament, Duran held his own against Chet Holmgren, who obviously went second in the draft. Uh, Mark Williams has played against really good bigs all year. Uh, you, I mean, Chet Holmgren's one of them uh, early in the year with that game in Gonzaga and Duke in Vegas. Um, there are also other great players in the ACC, not even players that are in the draft, but like an Armando Baycott, who obviously at North Carolina was dominant all of last year, especially in the tournament. Uh, so, Mark Williams has a lot of experience against great players in the ACC, and uh, he's a great shot blocker. 
Same as Jalen Duran. They're both lob threats. I, I like I like both of them. Getting them at 13 and 15, I believe, uh, is a steal. I feel like either of them could have gone top 10 and someone could have picked them there if there was a need for a center there. Uh, so I like those picks. And then finally, the final steal I have, Malachi Branham at number 20 to the Spurs. I thought Malachi Branham was going to be a lottery pick. That's what I had been hearing for a while. Uh, at least that he'd fall somewhere in that range. So getting him at 20 for the Spurs is huge. I think that he definitely has the talent to be above above where he got drafted by at least a good four or five star, uh, spots, maybe even more. Um, so I really like this pick. I just think that he can contribute immediately. I really like his game. He has, you know, he has a lot of the, he has a lot of mid-range game in him, despite the fact that he can also be a really, really good three-point shooter, a lot, a lot on catch and shoot, and he has the ability to dribble. He, he's a good, he's a good ball handler too for a guy that not necessarily is playing that role uh, on the teams that on the Ohio State team that he was on. Uh, so I like Malachi Branham, just everything about him, uh, all the, uh, obviously other than the fact that, you know, if my dad were here, he'd be talking about the fact that he's an Ohio State guy, so he doesn't like that. But really, he's a great player. Uh, I thought he deserved to go earlier, so I thought this was a steal. So let's move on from the steals, and let's talk about the guys who, you know, maybe weren't steals, maybe ended up exactly where you thought they were, but I believe are great fits for their teams. I'll start at number 14, the last pick of the lottery, Ochai Agbaji for Cleveland. I just love the experience because I think he should help them win now. We already saw him win a national championship. Cleveland got to the play-in. They were kind of injured. They were kind of beaten up by that point. Uh, there were points in the season where they were much higher up in the standings. I don't really think they would have competed with the the likes of the Bucks or the Celtics in the playoffs anyway, so I don't really think it's, or the Heat even, so I don't even think it's that big of a deal that they ended up missing the playoffs because um, I think they would have gotten beat up just like the Hawks did at the hands of the Heat if they had won that game in the play-in. But at the same time, you know, it's disappointing that for them that they didn't make um, the playoffs, but it doesn't matter that much. And uh, I think that Ochai will help them get better. Colin Sexton will be back next season. And uh, you add him to that team that, you know, I've been talking about it since the trade deadline. They're set up very well for the very near future. Um, and I believe that Ochai will help them kind of close that window down even sooner. Uh, so you always like to have those guys. And considering the fact that I think he was the oldest lottery pick this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, he's played at Kansas for four years. He's ready to contribute. He's probably even older than some of the guys they've drafted in prior years at this point, um, or at least near the same age. So I, I really think he can contribute. And the fact that they're kind of in between a rebuilding team and a win-now team. I think he's perfect for that type of a team. So I like that fit. The next team I like, I like A.J. Griffin going to Atlanta. The Hawks like to shoot threes, and A.J. Griffin is the best three-point shooter in this draft. Uh, so it really fits their it really fits their profile. And by the way, he is not a bad defender whatsoever. Um, he definitely can defend on the ball, off the ball. He does a great job on the defensive end when you watch Duke games last year. Um, I, again, I will say I don't necessarily have the scouting ability, so I'm taking some of this from other people, but from what I've seen, I like him both on the defensive end and very much so as a shooter. Uh, that is his big attribute, but let's move on from AJ Griffin. Talk about Christian Coloco, who was one of the best shot blockers in the nation last year at Arizona. Uh, I think he can grow and kind of become just like Christian Boucher, you know, a, a guy who not only just because he is a foreign born player, although 
Coloco went through college, obviously. I don't know where Boucher went. I don't know if he got drafted straight from France. Uh, but, you know, they have kind of similar body types, and I think really their goal is to just block shots and be somewhat of offensive threats. I think Boucher has a jump shot that Coloco doesn't quite have yet, but I think he can definitely grow into that role and maybe become the big that, you know, the modern NBA big who uh, is able to step out and hit some shots along with the fact that they're great rim protectors. Uh, so I like that pick for Coloco. You know Toronto's great at developing talent, so I like him very early in that second round. Let's move on to the final quote-unquote great pick. Isaiah Mobley with Cleveland, I, I think it's just great that, you know, first of all, he's getting drafted a year later, but joining his younger brother, Evan Mobley, um, in Cleveland, but also I just think, you know, those guys have played together for a long time. I don't necessarily think that this is something that, you know, Cleveland only picked him because he's his brother. Isaiah's a great player. I mean, he showed that at USC time and time again, but um, I, I do think that, you know, it helps somewhat to have him on, on the team. I think that, uh, you know, Evan and him have played together for a long, long time, including at USC at the same college, so like, they're used to playing as teammates, and I think that that will help both of them grow because they're used to that situation and it'll be very familiar for them. So I like that pick. And also I think he 49 for him as a player is, uh, is a pretty good slot to get. I, I think that he could have gone higher. I mean, you know, the NBA is weird in terms of valuing kind of the potential over what they've already shown. Um, so it's not surprising that he kind of slipped down here, but I definitely do think he could have been deserving of a higher slot. So 49 is pretty uh, is a pretty good place to get him if you're Cleveland. Uh, but let's move on to the picks who, you know, they were lottery picks, but uh, maybe not the most notable, I guess. So let's move, let, let's go to those picks. I, I'm calling them quote unquote decent picks. Uh, first, I'll start off with Keegan Murray for Sacramento. I think a lot of people thought that Jaden Ivey would go here. Um, and part of the reason that maybe he didn't was just the fact that he didn't want to be in Sacramento. So Sacramento kind of said, okay, you don't want to be here. We kind of have another guy that we like. How about let's not make this a partnership because it's not going to be a good partnership. I don't really know the particular reason what was going on, but, uh, you know, they didn't end up picking Jay Ivey. I still think, again, Keegan Murray is a great, great player. And I think maybe even he fits Sacramento in terms of their team build a little more because they already have young guards in De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell, and now they're adding on Keegan Murray to kind of solidify uh, their front court and make that stronger rather than just getting their back court stronger. Uh, I, I think it's a good. I, I think it's a good pick, but you know, I think it's just decent. I don't think it's a steal, obviously, and I don't necessarily think it was obvious like the top three were. Um, but I'll move on from that. Jeremy Sohan, you could put this in the questionable category too, which is what I'm going to next. I've heard a lot of him, a lot about him, I should say, when watching Baylor games, talking about his potential as an NBA prospect as a lottery pick. I never really saw it in terms of what was going on. But, you know, again, as I said, I'm not a scout. I don't understand what these scouts see half the time. And most of the time, it turns out pretty well for them, so I'm not here to question it. But um, I, I still think getting a Jalen Duran, getting Mark Williams, uh, getting even an Ochai Abaji, even Johnny Davis, who went with the next pick, might have been a better pick uh, at this point in the draft, but I'll, I'll move on from that. Uh, I'll talk about Johnny Davis, as I said. I think he's a, you know, he's a solid player. I think it's as simple as that. He's a very solid player. Um, some might say that 
this pick, if you consider last year or the year before last year, uh, it looks odd because he kind of just had a breakout year, but so did Keegan Murray, so did Jaden Ivey. I think he's not necessarily the same player at all, but I do think that when you're talking about, you know, having that breakout year in their second year, that was a common theme for Big Ten players this season. The three of them that did get drafted in the lottery all actually kind of fit that script. Um, but I, I just think that overall you're looking at a good player. I mean, it's really nothing more than that. I just don't think... I just, you know, just don't think he's a steal. I don't think this is a questionable pick. I feel like 10 is about where I thought he might end up, and uh, uh, maybe I didn't expect him to be... Well, maybe I didn't think he was a for-sure top 10 pick, but I definitely didn't expect him to fall much below that. So uh, this is about where I thought he'd go. It's a good pick for Washington. Uh, pair him in the backcourt with Bradley Beal. Um, and, then at J and then at 12, we have Jalen Williams, the one from Santa Clara, not the one from Arkansas, uh, for OKC... I, I, again, I, I don't have any particular reason for this, but I do like this pick a lot. The first time I saw him, I was actually doing bracketology research, and they were the last game on. They were playing St. Mary's. I was figuring out if Santa Clara deserved to go in my bubble. I was considering putting them there, and then there was also uh, a debate about whether, uh, you know, St. Mary's was kind of on the bubble all of last year and then eventually made it into the tournament. Um, but I was kind of debating where they might be, and that Santa Clara game was pretty important. Uh, Jalen Williams was a player in that game, was playing for uh, Santa Clara, as we know, that is his team, but he he was playing well, and he really, when I was seeing him play, I liked what I saw, and uh, I thought, like, immediately when he was on the court, I did I really had not heard much about him before, if anything at all, and then when I saw him play, I was like, this dude's pretty good, like, he must be at least in, in the draft um, conversation somewhere, and then when I looked it up, I saw that he was... No, I don't think necessarily at that point he was slated to be a lottery pick, but I did see that he was up there on board, so I was like, yeah, I guess I was right. I guess I can see some talent. <laughs> I guess I have some scouting abilities. Um, but look, he's a great player, and uh, OKC is kind of looking for guys that can develop long-term. They're not looking to win now, and uh, I think any pick that they can make is a good pick. This is another good pick for them. And let's move on to uh, the questionable picks. I really like Benedict Matherin as a talent. I'm just not sure how he fits in with Malcolm Brogdon, Tyrese Halliburton, and Chris Duarte. They already It already feels like the Pacers have a really good backcourt, and I guess you're planning to put Matherin at the three kind of, not necessarily the same type of player, but have him play the three like Clay Thompson has for so long for Golden State, where, you know, he might have the normal size of a typical shooting guard, but plays the small forward position, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I think I like him as a player, but I just, I'm, I'm just not sure about the fit here, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to question it because I, I don't think they, I don't think they use this pick without knowing what they, without knowing a lot about Benedict. And, uh, I think, you know, again, I, I really like him as a player. It's just odd with that backcourt that they already got. And by the way, they drafted Chris Duarte in the lottery last year, traded for Alliburton, even with Buddy Heald too. I think that, I'm just wondering, is he going to come off the bench? It's kind of questionable to me, but uh, we'll see. Um, then we have Shaden Sharp for Portland. You already have Anthony Simons and Dame Lillard, so I guess he's going to grow under those two. I really, this one is definitely questionable for me. I thought Portland would take a guy that was, uh, you know, maybe maybe even Johnny Davis at this point, or maybe trade down. I, I didn't expect him, I didn't expect Shaden Sharp to go here. Um, but then 
you know, again, I don't have my, I don't, again, I have don't, I don't have much knowledge about these guys. I'm not trying to criticize them because again, I don't feel like I have the knowledge to really give fair criticism. So I'm not going to, um, but at the same time I can, uh, in my head, a lot of these picks are like, yeah, that makes sense. And then some of them, I'm just like, eh, I'm a little confused. Um, and the, that's one of those picks. Dyson Daniels, again, I just don't know anything about him, but I've heard mostly great things. I've heard a lot about him being a great defender. Maybe that's something uh, New Orleans, sorry, not Portland, New Orleans thinks they need right now. Uh, I think they have a great starting five. We saw them stay close with the Suns in the playoffs, so there's a lot to believe in for the near future for this team. Uh, So I think really a lot of guys could have contributed for them, and uh, this is just the guy that they happen to pick, and uh, good for them. Uh, But again, you know, it's another pick where, like, I don't know much about the guy, so I can't really comment on him negatively or positively. Uh, But let's move on from him. Usman Jang... Um, from France, I believe, uh, just kind of like Dyson Daniels. I just don't know enough about him to say whether that was a reach or not. I feel like when I was watching the draft, it wasn't when it was going to pick 11. It wasn't like he was the quote unquote best player available, according to most people. But, uh, I did hear of him as maybe being a lottery pick for a while. So I guess this is about where he was supposed to go the whole time. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I remember that he also was in a bunch of trades. And speaking of those trades, let's talk about trades that happened during the draft. Uh, the Thunder traded a 2023 protected first round pick via Detroit, a 2023 protected first round pick via Washington, and a 2023 protected first round pick via Denver to the Knicks for the aforementioned Usman Jang. That is why I was talking about him. And that's why I wanted to get off the topic quicker so that we could talk about the trades. Um, three protected first round picks, but if you look at where these picks are protected for, I believe one of them is, they're all in kind of the top 14, 18, 14 range, and I think most of these picks probably won't convey for, uh, for the Thunder in this trade, which is the interesting thing, or sorry, for the Knicks in this trade, which is the interesting thing about it. That's why they're trading a, uh, a, a three first round picks just to get one first rounder back, uh, because of the fact that Honestly, Detroit will probably be getting top 14 pick. Uh, Washington will probably get a top 14 or 16 pick. Maybe the only team that is going to get their pick is Denver. Um, So I don't really think, and that's the way that the protection works. I'm doing a bad job of explaining this, but let's just say that based on the team performance, they get a certain pick and then it's protected for a certain slot. So if it falls within a certain amount of picks, then uh, the team that originally is trading the pick will actually get to keep it. And this is what I'm saying. I don't think Detroit's going to be a playoff team, which means that that pick will stay with Detroit because it's protected for that for that level of a pick. Um, I don't think that Washington will be a playoff team, so they'll probably keep their pick. I think Denver will be, obviously, so I don't think that... I think the Thunder will at least get that pick, and then we'll see in future years because I think protections roll over to different slots in different years, but, uh, again, not a front office executive. I don't know that much, admittedly, about this stuff, uh, but is an interesting trade. You know, the Thunder do what the Thunder do. I mean, they have so many picks. Any first-round pick is, it's whatever to them. I mean, they have, like, 20 in, like, seven years or whatever at this point. Then we talk about the next trade. The Knicks would then trade that 2023 first-round pick via the the Nuggets, uh, a 2023 second-round pick, a 2023 second round pick via the Jazz, and another 2023 second round pick via the Mavericks or Heat, and then their own 2024 second round pick to Charlotte 
for Jalen Duran, but that saga was not over as the Knicks would then trade Jalen Duran to the Pistons and Kemba Walker, who the Pistons are expected to buy out for the 2025 first, round, first rounder that the Pistons got earlier in the week in the Jeremy Grant trade. And this is why I think Troy Reaver did a great job because that trade for Jeremy Grant ended up netting them Jalen Duran um, instead, basically for free because of the fact that they weren't supposed to have that first round pick and they ended up having it. So uh, I, I like what Detroit did. I like this trade. But let's move on from that long saga, that confusing pick swap and everything, all that stuff. Memphis traded picks number 22, who ended up being Walker Kessler, and number 29, Ty Ty Washington, to Minnesota for number the number 19 pick, which was Jake LaRavia, and a future second round pick. No comments on it. I just think it's interesting that these teams had their little mini rivalry, mini battle, and now they're trading partners in the offseason. Uh, but then you have Minnesota who would use that number 29 pick to trade with Houston. They traded Ty Ty Washington and future second round picks for the number 26 pick, Wendell Moore. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr., I should say. Again, no comments about it. The late first round picks, I'm not, you know, these are all guys that probably won't be starting for these teams. It's not like the lottery picks where they're supposed to make an immediate contribution. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota, very solid, both teams in terms of their starting five and their lineup overall. So, not, not much commentary for me in terms of how they're going to fit in. I don't really have that much insight for it. Then you have Memphis who would make noise later. This one is an important one by trading DeAnthony Melton to the 76ers for Danny Green and the number 23 pick who ended up being David Roddy uh, for Colorado State. It's, this is an interesting one. I, I don't know why the Sixers are... Uh, I mean, I, I think Danny Green and DeAnthony Melton are pretty alike, pretty similar players, so I don't really know how uh, Memphis ended up also getting an extra first-round pick out of this, but I like that deal for Memphis a lot because of the fact that they got Danny Green and the number 23 pick. Melton was coming off the bench. Green will probably come off the bench too, and then they also get an extra future pick out of it, so I like that. Um, I, I like that for Memphis. Then, Sacramento traded pick number 37, who ended up being Jaden Hardy, uh, for two future second-round picks. Jaden Hardy was mocked as high as a lottery pick way early on in the draft process, fell significantly, and then even continued to slide on draft night. Uh, but Sacramento got two future second-round picks for this, so, uh, you know, they traded one for, for, for two future ones, and uh, that's that's whatever. Um, then Memphis traded a future second-round pick in cash to the Spurs for pick number 38, who was Kennedy Chandler. Charlotte traded two future second-round picks to Minnesota for pick number 40, Bryce McGowans from Nebraska, Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee, I should mention. Then the Warriors traded pick number 51, Tyrese Martin from UConn, and $2 million in cash to the Hawks for pick number 44, Ryan Rollins, a guard from Toledo. That is interesting because that's the first time I've ever seen the actual amount of the quote-unquote cash listed uh, in a trade. So uh, I just thought that was interesting because of the cash, because I had never seen the number not just be listed as cash, actually list out how much money. Uh, you know, I, I can't question anything the Warriors do at this point. They're the champs for a reason, and uh, they're going to work on developing Ryan Rollins, and maybe he'll join their backcourt in a few years after maybe spending some years in the G League. Who knows? Then you have Portland, who traded that pick that they got from Detroit, pick number 46, who ended up being Ishmael Kamigate, to the Nuggets for a 2024 second-round pick. Minnesota traded pick number 48, which was Kendall Brown, to the Pacers for a 2026 second-round pick and an unknown amount of cash. Uh, and then the Pacers traded number 58 pick Hugo Besson for quote-unquote future considerations. I have no idea what that means, um, but 
no comments from me, honestly. Um, and on that note of future considerations, please put this in your future considerations. That wraps up this edition of the For the 24 podcast. So please be sure in your future to check out our next podcast, which will be on Monday, June 27th, where we will discuss my weekend predictions, uh, recap the conclusion, or actually, no, that's it. Not the NBA finals. They already ended, but we will have our weekly deep dive into the MLB as well. Maybe even talk about some award stuff. Maybe talk about that MLB MVP article. That's a tongue twister that I wrote recently. And in the meantime, be sure to check out that article along with my picks for this weekend's games um, and my power rankings that were updated on Tuesday. Uh, And stay tuned for maybe a Cy Young update that might be coming tomorrow or in the very near future. Uh, all of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.